Okay. Okay, if there's any sound issues, or I guess we have to, yeah, never mind. We have to go yeah, in <laughs> So, and speak here? Uh, actually, you can you talk speak as normal. Yeah. Um, today is October 16th, 2016. I'm at the Ar Austin Archives Bazaar at Sangarendi Hall in Austin, Texas. This is Erica Lees, and I'm here with Anadelia Obregón. Uh, so, to get started, you were telling me that you were a migrant worker. Um, yes, I grew up in the valley, uh, in a colonia outside La Feria. I uh, was the first to go to college, and after I graduated from Texas Women's University, I moved to San Antonio, worked as a newspaper reporter, then came to the Austin American Statesman after my husband and I got married, and Ed uh, was already, Ed Sill was already working here, and so I moved up here in 87, so We've been married almost 30 years, and I uh, worked every summer, uh, working the fields, coming home late winter and, or early winter and leaving early spring and going to Ohio and Arkansas and different places to work. And it was uh, a good incentive to go to college and get a good education because I knew I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. Uh, my sister also graduated from college and uh, it has completely changed our lives. And, uh, but it was, in a way, it opened my mind to different parts of the country and how different people lived. And uh, I think maybe that's why I got the travel bug. Although at the time, uh, it was not so much fun to travel and then have to work. But Were you also able to go to school? Well, what my parents did, and my parents are basically illiterate. My mom had a fourth grade education, and my father, who was from Mexico, had a third grade education. But they always believed in education. So wherever we would go, if it was still during the school year, we would go to school, do our homework, and then go and work in the fields. And when I got to high school, by then my father had died. He died when I was 12, and I told my mom, I don't think I can get good grades and graduate from high school if I'm missing so much school, because wherever we went, school was different. Yeah, when I would, I would get someplace, they were far ahead, so there were things I missed, or I went somewhere else, and I was going over material that we had already done. So in high school, uh, I my mom was okay with us just working during the summer after school was out and returning before school started. And that helped me uh, get you know, good grades and, and go to college. Although, I, very, I came very close to not going to college because back then, there was very little to help poor kids to get into college. Uh, and I was passing down the hallway and I saw a sign that said $25 if you want to take your SAT. I knew that I needed that if I wanted to go to college. My parents had always talked about college. They wouldn't have known one if they had run into one, but they knew it led to a better life. So I asked my mom for $25, which of course she didn't have. I don't know if she found $25, but I was able to get $25 to take my SAT. And that made that twenty five dollars made all the difference in my life. Mm. 
and of course by the time my sister came up, I only had one younger sister. She knew what she had to do, but when I was applying to college and going to college, I felt like the accidental college student because I had no clue what I was doing, what I was supposed to do. But it was, uh, it changed my life and it made me realize that there is a huge world out there that I knew nothing about. And I'm proud to say that my husband and I love to travel and we've been to a lot of places. We've been to China, we've been to Costa Rica, we've been to Europe. And my next stop, before I get too old, I want to go to Machu Picchu and climb, hike, hike and make it up there by sunrise. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> but uh, I, I have two children, they're very young adults. And I've talked to them about how I grew up in a colonia with no indoor plumbing, uh, dusty roads that never got paved and were muddy when it rained. And it's so foreign to them. It's as if I were telling them I grew up in Mars because they had a very middle-class upbringing and they had privileges such as being in Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and learning to play piano and my son also plays cello and my daughter plays bass and guitar. And I remember one time we were going down to visit my family and my son had just started learning piano. He was packing all his music so he could practice and I asked him, what are you doing? He said, well I have to practice my piano. And I said, yeah, but nobody in my family down there has a piano. And he looked at me like, like, what do you mean nobody has a piano? Everyone in our neighborhood has a piano. My in-laws, because my husband came for a very middle class family, they had a piano. How come your family doesn't have a piano? Well, let me talk to you about poverty. So, I think growing up poor also has made me realize that with privilege comes responsibility. I have been privileged to get educated, so I do a lot of advocacy work uh, for people who have not been as privileged as I. And I've told my children always, they probably are sick of hearing it, but privilege comes with responsibility. I cannot turn my back and say, well, I've got mine, too bad for you. I just don't function that way. And thankfully my husband feels the same, although his background is very different. His grandfather was a lawyer and, you know, mine was, my grandfather was a tenant farmer. <laughs> so somehow we connected when we were both working in San Antonio with a newspaper and here we are almost 30 years later. Well, actually I've known him for 35, but married for almost 30. Did you also go to college in San Antonio? Uh, no, I went to Texas Women's in Denton. Oh, okay. But when I moved to San Antonio after college for my first job, that's where my husband and I met. And it was, uh, I, my husband is from a very middle class Jewish family. Now I'm from a very poor Mexican-American family, so who would have thunk it, right? <laughs> no, but somehow we got together and here we are. And uh, it's been a wild ride, but it's been fun. And we've loved living in Austin. What do you love about it? Well, I like the diversity, uh, the diversity of opinion, different people, 
I have uh, Muslim friends, Hindu friends, all kinds of colors, all kinds of religions, and I, I like that acceptance in Austin. Um, sometimes I think we are too quick to get rid of our past, like I still miss Las Manitas restaurant, which used to be where the Marriott is now, downtown, and the green and white grocery store. It's on seven. Yeah. It's I still there. Yeah, but it's not the same. Okay. I used to love their tamales. I always I bought my tamales there. Now I have to make them, <laughs> which is hard work. What do you miss about Las Manitas? They're good food. And, and, and also, it was downtown. You know, you could go eat there and then go to, you know, just stroll downtown. It's changed so much. It's when I moved here, my mother said, Why are you moving to Austin? There's nothing there. Because San Antonio was much bigger, right? And I, and, and I said, Well, you know, it's not that tiny anymore. But if she were to see it now, she wouldn't believe it. It's, it's amazing the changes. When we, moved, when we bought our house in Northwest Austin and we had a party, friends were, were acting as if we moved to the edge of, of the planet or something. It's like, Oh, it's going to take so long. It took 20 minutes. Now it takes my husband like an hour to come down Mopac. <laughs> and uh, well, you know what Mopac has been like lately. It's gotten to the point where even 35, I-35 is a, a better way to travel. <laughs> so that's kind of sad. But I'm hoping that'll improve soon. And uh, my kids were raised here. And uh, uh, I really like it here. And, uh, all the music festivals. There's. I went to the first South by Southwest. Tell me about it, that. It, it was so easy to go in anywhere, and it was not as expensive. Now you have to plan it a year ahead of time, buy all your tickets, even though you don't know what you're going to be doing the next year. I mean, you could possibly be giving birth, and you won't know, but you have your tickets, right? <laughs> uh, I remember my sister and I going into the first uh, South by Film Festival and liking something and staying and then, eh, we don't like this, let's go somewhere else. You can't do that anymore. Heck, you can't even get in. My daughter and I tried to get in two, uh, two years ago when it was raining. Uh, we stood in the rain trying to get into several movies and two hours later we still weren't in. So that's, that's Austin now. Uh, what else do you remember about the first South by? that it was not crowded. <laughs> it wasn't at all. And uh, it was just a little festival. And uh, you could just go in and out and you know, go somewhere else to hear somebody else. If you like, you know, I don't like the station somewhere else. And, you know. and now uh, it's just so different. And now it's more like an experience. You have to you know there's going to be crowds, you know there's going to be this and that, and you wear sunscreen, or maybe it'll be cold, or it'll might rain, and it's, it's just, uh, everybody knows about it. You know, we were, where were we? We were in New York this summer, and I was chatting with somebody, and I said I was from Austin, and somebody said, oh, South by Southwest. Now, if we'd done that 30 years ago, and I'd say, oh, South by Southwest, nobody would have known. I mean, look at all the bands from like Sweden, Norway, and all kinds of places, Australia. It's just gotten huge, huge. And it was so tiny to begin with, and not a lot of fanfare. You know, but it was fun. 
you know, and I've seen it grow, like I've seen Austin grow, and my kids have grown with Austin too, and sometimes I'd say, well, there used to be so-and-so at this spot, and they're like, oh, when? Well, like 20 years ago, uh, you know, it's like, they cannot really. Are there any of those that you particularly miss? You mentioned Las Benitas, but yeah. I think kind of. Oh my gosh. Uh. I really miss Las Manitas because I used to work, you know, at the Statesman, and so it was so easy to just cross the bridge and you're right there. You know what else I miss? The, it was very laid back. I miss that, that it's not laid back anymore. It's like a lot of hustle and bustle. Uh, in a way, it's kind of like being in New York City, except New York City is so much bigger. But the hustle and bustle is, you know, doesn't really slow down anymore. It's on like 24-7, and it didn't used to be that way. People could afford to live here too. That's something that scares me. My, I think my kids want to stay here, but it's so expensive. Yeah, even St. St. Vincent de Paul thrift store, I liked that place. It's not there anymore. It moved somewhere north because it's their clients are moving north in the suburbs and SoCo, you know, the neighborhood there is very affluent. So they didn't need to be in, in South Congress. Look at all the boutiques and fancy restaurants and such. One thing I like about the change though is that the quality the quality of restaurants, like the top notch restaurants, is really improved. That I like. But I miss, you know, the you know like the Las Manitas place and other little restaurants that were little holes in the wall that we used to go to. That has changed. Lost my page of prompts. <laughs> Can you think of any of your um, colorful or vibrant personalities from Austin over the years? Oh gosh, Leslie. Okay, how was I introduced to Leslie? I was driving down Congress Avenue one day and there's Leslie on 6th Street and I think I almost had a wreck. I had never seen anybody like that. Mind you, I came from the Valley and then I lived in San Antonio for 10 years, which is very Catholic. Then I moved to Austin where Halloween was the biggest holiday. It was so strange. He moved 70 miles up the road and you know, San Antonio is very Catholic. And here Halloween is the big thing. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And then I see Leslie in her, his thong and high heels. And, I'm, and mind you, he had a beard and had very hairy legs. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, what have I done? Why am I here? <laughs> this is really weird. But you know, that uh, keep Austin weird concept uh, was alive. And I don't know if it's as weird anymore. If and Austin is? No, I, I, I'm not sure because it's become a lot like any other large city. Yeah, it, it kind of has lost its small town charm and characters. Nobody has replaced Leslie. It's true. You know, nobody. And uh, I don't know if there are any volunteers out there who are willing to replace Leslie, but that would be interesting and it brings some of the weirdness back. And a lot of the places along Congress Avenue where people used to be able to 
like congregate and hang out and just be weird, well, it's become very corporatized. That that bothers me. And uh, but one thing I liked about Leslie, he had really great legs. He really did. When he he put on his fishnet stockings, he looked really good. So, you know, he set a high bar for anybody who wants to replace him. Uh, some of uh, the city council too has you had weird people on it. Now it's uh, not. <laughs> it's more establishment type people, I think, and. Uh, they, they kind of set the direction for the city. And uh, I think Austin may be wanting to be not just known for its weirdness, but to be part of the establishment. And that's kind of sad. Mm. Well, that's all the time we have. Um, but I did just as a final um, thing, I wanted to ask, if, is there anything in Austin that's still around that you'd really like to preserve? Well, one of my favorite places is the Wildflower Center. I know it's not as old. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of old. It's, it's been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. I love that place. I love that place. And I like the LBG Library, too. And the Capitol never gets old. Uh, even when people are smashing gubernatorial portraits. Uh, maybe that's kind of weird. Uh, I, But I think the the green belt, the Barton, Barton Springs, mm -hmm. you know, I hope we always protect it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we need to do is protect East Austin gentrification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a real problem. And gentrification is changing, uh, you know, the type of neighborhoods that exist and people are being pushed away. Uh, look at where the Mexican-American Cultural Center is now. There used to be a Mexican neighborhood. Now it's all bars. It's like, where do the people go? Where are the people going? You know, blacks are already leaving Austin and going to the suburbs. The same thing is happening to Mexican-Americans. And do we want a city strictly for affluent white people? Or are we willing to do something to keep our city diverse. Sounds like a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.